Hello, I'm Derek Doak, and you're listening to the Real Talk Podcast. For over 25 years, I've been serving the investment property industry, from preparing tax returns for property owners when I worked in public accounting, to creating and managing multi-million dollar syndications as a commercial broker. Throughout my career, I have always had a passion for learning and teaching what I have learned to others. This podcast is for commercial property owners and those who provide professional services to owners. My goal is to bring value to you through the sharing of best practices and industry knowledge. Each episode is geared towards providing knowledge and insights around topics and trends affecting property management, asset management, and investment management. Please enjoy this episode, and if I can be of any assistance, please do not hesitate to reach out to me directly at Derek at DokeMail.com. Now, enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Real Estate Investment Insights Real Talk Podcast. That's right. This is our first one that we're actually doing under our new brand that Jordan and I are working on, which is called Real Talk. And we're really focused on property owners as well as those who advise the property owners. So this segments in Real Talk are focused around how we can help you as a property owner maximize your asset, uh, look for some tips and insights on how to do that, and then also help advisors, you know, CPAs, attorneys, wealth advisors, uh, people of the such, uh, uh, insurance professionals, people who work with property owners, uh, look to provide value for them as well. So uh, with that, co-host, that's right, official title, no pay raise, but co-host, you know, Jordan Elliott is joining me with uh, NAI Elliott out of Portland. And uh, so, you know, say say hello, Jordan, to the uh, the audience. Great to be here as usual, Derek. Great to be sharing this space with you and just loving the evolution of our conversations and the value it seems to be providing for those out in the marketplace. And so new brands, same high quality content. Yeah, yeah I like to hear it. Well, one of the things that has helped is we're getting feedback from the audience on kind of topics to cover. And, uh, and that's what we look for. So if you have a topic that you think should be covered uh, as it relates to asset management or property management uh, or brokerage, you know, reach out, send us a note. Um, you can reach me at Derek at dokemail.com. I'm more than happy to uh, run it up the, uh, the content flagpole and uh, see if it makes it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had one that talked about, you know, asset management and property management and kind of what's the difference between the two and the services and kind of how do you look for an asset manager versus a property manager and what are the qualities and traits and those types of things. So uh, that's today's topic. Today, top, we're talking about the difference between an asset manager and a property manager. And uh, Jordan, I know we touched on it last week on our segment. Um, you guys do a fair amount of it uh, as well. And uh, so I'd love to get your take on kind of how you differentiate the two. And when you're talking to uh, family offices or individual clients that own real estate, when you talk about asset management versus property management, what's kind of your your go-to of explanation? I'm really glad we're talking about this. And as you just mentioned, we've kind of circled around it a couple of times in our conversations, but I, I would say that this topic comes up almost daily in our business, uh, you know, as the audience knows, but just to, to restate it, we're a full service company. So we're doing primarily property management and brokerage, but we do have an asset management wing. You know, we, we do construction management, all the property counting, all that stuff too. But uh, I love this topic because I would say that it's a very confusing one. And the reason why is that asset management, property management, they oftentimes get conflated. 
And so the expectations of somebody who's a, an owner of commercial real estate, a professional service provider who might be looking for um, assistance, you know, whether it's the accountants or maybe a trustee or somebody like that, it, it's really important to piece apart the asset management and property management pieces because they often are just jammed together. And, and expectations can be um, confused because of that or roles and responsibilities can be used, confused because of that. So I think it's really important for us to share with the audience some of the differences between asset and property management. And there's a lot of things that are on my mind that I hope we'll go through here, but the most simple and high level one for us on the day-to-day -day basis to distinguish between asset management and property management is, is just about how far out you're looking. And in some cases, how far back you're looking, but mostly forward looking, like how far out are you looking? And our uh, kind of baseline for property management is that a property manager is paying attention to the year in front of them, the year that they participated in creating a budget for and that they're responsible for executing on, and the year in the past that you know we're reporting against in some way, or we're you know thinking about what expenses happened last year that we're going to add into the budget going forward. So it's it's kind of like that one year back, one year forward. That's the sweet spot for a property manager. That's where they live. You know, because every day, property manager is trying to deliver on those things that have been planned out in the budget. Yeah. An asset manager, on the other hand, is looking at things that go beyond that, right? Especially forward-looking. If you're doing a new lease, it's a five-year lease, a property manager is going to have opinions about that, but it'll largely be grounded in the day-to-day -day operations of whatever that tenant will be. An asset manager should be thinking about what does that five-year lease mean in terms of the value of the property? How does it fit in the market? What's going to change down the road? Should we be looking at CPI increases, which is a brilliant move right now? You know, a couple of years ago, CPI increases were not popular because it wasn't a brilliant move, but that's an asset management level thought. So that's where I'd start. Yeah, no, and, and that's great. That's great. I mean, when we think about it, um, I always think of like a, a conductor, right, of an orchestra. You're kind of looking at who's kind of directing the various advisors around the asset and the asset's going to be the music that we make. And, uh, and so trying to look at the two different scenarios, sometimes you get a property manager trying to look too far out, it takes their eye off the ball of what's going on right now. And, and so the property manager being hyper-focused on making sure the asset's providing what it needs to for its tenants, making sure that the, the asset is being taken care of based on the budget that's put in place and the plan is put in place as far as any type of improvements, things like that. Whereas the asset manager needs to pull themselves out of the day-to-day -day operations and say, what is going on in the market? What does this asset look like five or six or seven years down the road? You know, right now we're in a time in office market where the office market's really tough and it's tough to get tenants. So as an asset manager, the primary role is saying, how do I keep this property successful and to a point to where it's going to allow my clients, which are going to be the tenants, to stay intact, to get through these next three to five years? You know, and we've been running some scenarios on some properties where it might be free rent. It might be free rent for two years, but cover the nets and a small amount that covers the mortgage just to keep that asset alive. Because it's hard as hell to get a good asset. You got to fight twice as hard to keep it. Right. And that's what the asset manager's job is, is to work alongside those owners with the vision of the asset through the owner's eyes, but then bringing into it the real estate experience and expertise to make sure that the owners are able to, you know, reach their end goal with that asset. And um, it's hard to do if you're a property manager and an asset manager in the same person. 
um, because it, you get really caught up in the weeds sometimes doing property management. You, you can't really look out two or three years. So um, that's why I think it's important when you kind of look at who asset manages versus who property manages is to make sure you have a cohesive team, but the one that can actually represent you, meaning the owner, in making sure that asset's doing what it needs to do. I think you've hit upon a really important point, which is that not only does asset management and property management get conflated, but ownership and asset management often gets conflated. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because an owner many times will just naturally think at that asset management level. But especially as um, you know, portfolios get more get larger and more complex, or you've got generational shifts, or all this, you know, referring to some of our earlier conversations, it's important to separate out the ownership. From the asset management because ownership might just be in a different place maybe it's a you know a family board or maybe it's you know a professional trustee or you know something like that and that asset management piece you don't want to lose that right because it might have been conflated with an original owner and now it needs to be separated um, so that's that's one point i want to add to it another is that and you touched upon this that i was thinking about earlier there's a level of expertise required for all of these roles you know and uh, there are people out there who can do them all and can kind of shift from one to the other, but I think that's a rarity. Uh, I think it's much better if you have people who are expert at their individual lanes, right? And so I was thinking about, you know, in our day-to-day -day property management world over here, we're, we're dealing with constant, let's just use roof leaks. You know, in the springtime, you just get roof leaks left and right all the time, fall, spring, um, you know, those are kind of our high seasons. And solving a roof leak, as mundane as it can sound, is a very important for, especially for a tenant, who has a roof leak, um, and for the the building's integrity, both short and long term. But there's an art to solving those things in the moment and taking care of them fast and making sure that the repair is done correctly and it's going to stand the test of time. That's the property management expertise. An asset manager, frankly, should not be expert in that. That's that's what the property manager should be doing. Instead, the asset manager should be doing capital planning with a long horizon to think about how are these these properties being not just repaired in those moments, but how are they being set up for long-term success so that you don't have the roof degrading to a point that that starts to happen. And that's the kind of expertise that a property manager may not naturally swing over to, to really be thinking about how you set up that cycle of larger capital improvements so that the routine maintenance of just tweaking and you're not in a reactive position all the time. So I, I thought of that also as an example to help illustrate the point. Yeah, no, that's a great example. I mean, because both of them are, are providing what's necessary. Um, and sometimes if you're a sustained person, it's hard to kind of pull yourself out of that, especially when you're dealing with the sense of um, customer, which would be the tenant's crisis, which could be a roof leak. And then you're kind of this really hyper-focused on fixing that roof versus, okay, what does this mean in the whole scope of things? Are we going to reposition this building to sell? Are we thinking that we're going to redevelop this building? So do we want to put a new 20-year life roof on it? Or do, we, or do we want to do some, you know, five-year maintenance plan and have a RAM put on it uh, and have them check it every quarter, right? So there's there's those types of planning that the asset manager does in conjunction with the property manager and the property owner. And I always tell the owners that we work with in the management capacity for both asset and property management, when we have that annual meeting, it's talking through, has anything changed? Has anything changed in your life? Are you thinking that this asset's going to be a, a long-term hold? Are you thinking this asset's going to be a three to five-year hold? Are you thinking a reposition? Are we going to take this apartment build or this uh, office building and make it apartments? Should we start looking at the highest and best use analysis? You know, kind of getting the big picture and then working with the property manager in the same meeting 
around what are the what's needed to make sure that these assets for the next year, two and three years is going to provide the cash flow that we're anticipating and needing and looking at the repairs that we've done. Is there going to be any big capital expenses, whether it's irrigation? You know, we've had that quite a bit um, coming out of winter, right? Frozen pipes. We start dealing with that. Um, you know, there's just all types of things that happen um, that intermixes. So I guess part of the point there is that if you are looking at property management versus asset management, you're interviewing firms or individuals to help you out, ask the types of questions like that. You know, what do you do to help me with my long-term planning? Or is it just me planning everything and you're just keeping the debits and credits and then you're giving me money when I ask you for a distribution, right? I mean, there's, we see a lot of that happens a lot too. So um, be very picky about who's taking care of that asset for you because that asset is supposed to take care of you. And I, I love that thought. And um, again, to kind of elaborate on those folks out there that might be listening to this and uh, thinking about the things they're doing for their assets, I would encourage property owners to start segmenting what they're doing out so that they know, okay, this part of what I'm doing is asset management. This part of what I'm doing is property management. Maybe they're doing some brokerage activities because that kind of analysis will actually help down the road if you ever have to look for professionals to help. You, you start to know who you're looking for. It's like, oh, okay. I'll keep the asset management, but I'm a, I need a property manager, right? Or I'll keep, you know, property management and I want to have a leasing broker come in and pick up that part. So that was a point I was thinking about. The other thing too, I, I do want to say something about brokerage activity, leasing or acquisition disposition. Uh, I think leasing is probably the most relevant that it's really important to have all those seats around the table. The asset manager is really the one who's going to drive a leasing conversation in our opinion, but the property manager's opinion is invaluable, Right. There's so many times that as property managers, we've been able to advise an asset manager, whether it's in-house or whether it's, you know, some kind of third party or the owner themselves about, you know, hey, this deal looks great on the surface, but the reality on the ground is if you put that tenant in this location, you're going to cause all kinds of other issues, whether it's parking, whether you're going to have conflict with the neighboring tenants, whether, you know, the tenant mix is not ideal in terms of how that submarket operates. And oftentimes a property manager is going to have a really good perspective on that, that, yeah, sure. A good leasing broker may have that same perspective, but it certainly doesn't help to have it reinforced. Or, you know, if they don't have that perspective, getting the property manager to weigh in is really, really important. So it comes back to one of our, I think one of our first podcasts when we talked about the synergies that exist between having like asset management, property management, leasing all under one roof, or in the absence of that, having a very intentional effort to make sure that those groups are coming together on a regular basis to really share notes and think about things together. Yeah, no, and, and you bring up a great point with those the, the leasing agent. I mean, we just had this conversation with a family office the other day, uh, a client of ours. We were looking at what could we do with this property, right? And when that leasing broker who's out there on a daily basis in the trenches hearing stories about what's getting done, what's not getting done at rates, what triple nets are, what you're seeing, what's going on in the market, uh, that's invaluable. I mean, you can't get that off a report, right? You get some information off a report, but a lot of times that data is already old. But if you have somebody who's out there talking to potential tenants and talking to other property owners in that particular area that's already a brain trust in your office, you know, that that that's gold, right? I mean, that's in, the, in highest and best use. I mean, we got one we're looking at right now where they've got some excess land. And the question is, what would be the best use based on where the market's going, right? The old Wayne Gretzky, where's the puck going to go? And a lot of times that's what those brokers do. They're able to skate to that puck, knowing where it's going to go based on the conversations they're having and it can help our clients kind of look at their own assets. Um, I mean, it really helped us out 
tell a story quickly, which was a few years ago, they we had some uh, properties that we were asset managing um, and they basically were thinking they didn't have to refinance because their notes weren't due for three years. This was in 20, you know, in 2020. And they were at a rate that was a decent rate. It was in the mid fours, um, but they had an opportunity to get something in the low threes. So kind of looking at the tea leaves of what was going on in 2021, we said, let's refinance these. So in early 2021, we refinanced four assets at a high three for 10 years. I mean, every time I talked to them, they're like, how did you see that coming? I said, yeah, a lot of it is just conversations with watching what's going on and talking to other professionals, especially on the lending side, uh, to kind of hear what they're talking about and watching those tea leaves while these owners can run their lives the way they want to run their lives versus trying to figure out where's the interest rates going to go, what the market's going to happen. Um, I definitely would say it's more luck than skill, but when you kind of look at it and you live in it every day and you're hearing people talking about how easy it is to get money, we've been there, right? We've been through plenty of these cycles. And it's like, what that comes with is there's going to have to be an uptick. And so every client we were working with is we got them all through refinances uh, in 20, uh, late 2020 and through 2021. It wasn't the lowest rate you can get, but it's definitely a lot lower than it is today, about half of what it is today. So um, that's part of that value of having a full team help you with your assets. And those are the kind of questions you ask when you're talking to somebody, if you own property or you're an advisor to those that own properties is making sure they have the right team around them that's looking out for their asset, not just looking out for themselves. I'm really glad you brought up financing because I think that's uh, that's probably in the top five things that we talk about distinguishing the roles of asset manager and property manager. Your example was perfect in terms of what an asset manager should do and having that foresight of, of all the things you just described. I just like to add to it, you know, that as a property manager or a property manager's focus is going to be very different when it comes to what's going on with the financing of a property. Their responsibility is to pay that mortgage every month. And their responsibility is to be interacting with the lender to make sure if there are recurring reports that are required that those are delivered. And I use those two examples just to illustrate that Think about how hard it is for a property manager to be doing those monthly tasks or quarterly tasks or whatever it is and, and have the ability to step back and say, we're in an unprecedented lending market in 2020 and it's unlikely to last. Let's really talk about doing refinance. That's such a hard shift to make because lenders can be very demanding, right? And the process, just the, the mechanics of making those payments on time and accurately every month is as simple as it sounds especially at scale, is really difficult. So the great illustration of that kind of short-term versus longer-term or, or you know, kind of practical logistical responsibility versus bigger picture one. So I, I think that's a really good way of distinguishing between these two parts of yeah. uh, these two responsibilities. Yeah, no, and, and the conversations right now are, are about should you take an IO, right? If you're below 40% LTV in your loan and you, ha and you have to, you're being forced to refinance right now because your note's coming due, do you go with a two-year IO and then see what happens? And those are the kinds of exercises that we're going through on the asset management side. But the property manager, you know, is looking at it from where, the, where it is today and where could that adjustment be? And they're making sure everything's being tied out with the amortization table and everything else. So it's, it's a, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes, right? And I don't know if it's good or bad. You and I have seen how the sausage is made and it's, it's tough. I mean, sometimes you look at it, it there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, for both property and asset management and brokerage. 
um, to make sure that you know clients' asset can run smoothly. Uh, and again, hit the numbers they need to hit because you and I both approach our clients the same way, which is meeting the objectives and goals that we collectively say are the, what we can do. And then we got to hit those, right? They depend on us every quarter to make that distribution or monthly distribution. So, um, you know, it, it's key, but you need the right people in the right seats mm -hmm. and have the right talent in the right seats um, versus expecting one person who can just do it all. Yeah, I think... Uh... For those of you not as sophisticated as, as Derek IO, interest only, thinking about those as two years. Yeah. And and it's funny because uh, some of our asset management conversations have taken an even darker turn, which is, you know, there may be some liquidation that's necessary to keep the, you know, maybe there's core trophy properties that just are going to get absolutely hammered based on a refinance now and coming off something that's maybe half the rate, maybe even less than half the rate. And so... And portfolios, we've been even thinking about those hard conversations of, you know, we might need to dispose of an asset to keep this one afloat long term. Um, so those kind of acquisition disposition decisions, that's very much in the asset management uh, realm, right? The other one I was wondering about, and maybe you can comment on this more, is tax considerations. You know, property managers, we're, we're, we don't, I mean, we, we know what the property taxes are. We go find those and make sure that they're paid. You know, and down here in Oregon, we talk about are you going to pay them in thirds? Are you going to pay them all at once and take the discount, you know, or whatever the local jurisdiction might dictate? That's kind of where we go with taxes. But asset managers can sometimes cross into those larger questions about, and brokerage too, those larger questions about tax consequences. Yeah. Well, it, and it really plays into it when you're looking at an asset being sold. And as you're looking at 1031s, I mean, everything from if you do a 1031, are you going to 1031 into a Delaware statutory trust? Or are you going to have another property that you're going to acquire? Um, you know, the, the recapture expense. And I know, you know, that the CPAs that are on the, the, the podcast that listen in, um, they can talk definitely more deeply than I can because it's been many years since I worked in public accounting. But that recapture, that depreciation recapture can really sting you. So if you sell a property on an owner contract, you still got to pay the tax on that recapture in that first year, even though you didn't own a contract. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that the team together, you know, your professional advisors, your asset manager, your property manager kind of team up and say, what's the best, where does this asset fit? And how do we make it through this? Because right now, if you feel like you're going to be forced to sale, there's a high probability you are not going to get what you want for that property. You're just yep. not. And or you may not find the exchange opportunities. <laughs> you won't find the exchange opportunities. And yeah. I think there's a lot of buttoning down right now. You know, I lived on Guam for about five years and we'd have typhoons rolling through there and First thing you would do is shutter up those windows, right? I mean, that's what you would do and make sure you had enough gas for that generator on the back porch and uh, plenty of cold beers in the fridge. But, you know, I mean, it, it's one of those, those things that as we head into these types of conditions and times, it's also opportunistic. And if you have an asset manager who can look at this, there's opportunities that if you have an asset, maybe you can pick up another asset close by that's going to complement what you currently have. Maybe it's the adjoining property. Maybe it's you're, you own a pad in a shopping center. Now you got a chance to pick up that shopping center and control the CCNRs. I mean, is this, this is when as an asset manager, this is when we earn our money because you're helping clients avoid any type of negativity that could impact them personally. And you're looking for those opportunities that can increase their holdings and their portfolio for them and their family. I mean, that's our job. Yep. And so, um, yeah, I mean, these are the times that you got to really be on your toes and, and when we're really busy, uh, for sure, with uh, client meetings and just trying to get as much recon work as we can before 
having those meetings and, and planning stages with, you know, both the property owner and their various advisors. Speaking of negativity and potential exposure, one thing we've been doing a lot of at the asset management level is around banking uh, and thinking about how we ensure that any funds that we're responsible for and any funds we're advising are properly insured. And, uh, you know, obviously the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic, and those, those are the ones that have affected us most on the West Coast. Those have, have opened some eyes about, you know, FDIC insurance and uh, various options that banks can provide to make sure that funds are fully insured. And luckily, we've been well down that path for, for some time um, and already had a lot of funds that we were advising clients into places that covered their insurance. Because, you know, just even in an operating account, you can have swings that take you out of the standard FDIC insurance and you got to make sure that there's an option there. Um, similarly, there's an unbelievable proliferation of fraud that's happening right now. And you got to make sure that as a property owner, your funds are protected as much as possible from that fraud. Um, and you know, all this overlaps property management, asset management, because the property managers are taking care of those dollars and client trust accounts on a day-to-day -day basis. But it's so important as an asset manager to be thinking about, okay, well, you know, how is, how is that account set up? You know, is, is that insurance available? You know, if balances are getting really large, do we need to be talking to, you know, somebody who's a professional wealth advisor to, to take those funds and make, make them work better until we actually need to apply them? And that starts getting into that larger asset management conversation. And uh, luckily before those bank crashes and also now very much picked up, we've been having those conversations with our clients. Yeah. You, 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 when you're talking there, I also got triggered around the, the idea of what happens in desperate times, right? When there's desperate times, some things come out that um, people do uh, in desperate times. And what that took me down was the path of asking the questions about how are my bills being paid for my property? When you think of a property manager, how are my bills being taken care of? Because there is a lot of fraud. I mean, We've gotten these multiple times. I'm sure you have too. You get these fake invoices, right? It's a it's a fake uh, utility invoice or something like that. And if you don't have the right team looking at that, it's not getting picked up by your asset manager or your CPA or your attorney. You know, and a lot of times, it's not the property owner. It's going to be the person paying the bills. And uh, and so I think questions to find out as we go into these times when whoever's looking out after your properties is ask those questions. What checks and balances do you have in place for fraudulent invoices that could potentially come in as well as money's going out? Is the same person putting the money in the system is taking the money out of the system, right? I mean, these are things that, that we've talked about before. Well, yeah, I mean, you're an accountant by training and background. I'm an accountant in spirit. And so we, we agree on these uh, segregation of duties and you know, really thinking through how there are operations and procedures and processes in place to avoid fraudulent activity. And, you know, we, we can do a whole podcast on that because you you and I align on those things and the importance of having those controls set up. And then back to banking, you know, positive pay for us is a no-brainer. That essentially, we tell the bank every check that's going out and what it should be paid for. So there's absolutely no opportunity for someone to slip in a fraudulent check, Right. Or when you, as you said, if you're, when you're setting up a new vendor, is one person setting up the vendor and paying the vendor? Oh, hell no, right? You got to make sure that there's a segregation of duties there so that you've got all the information you need on that vendor. They're vetted before invoices come in and are actually paid. So yeah, I mean, that that's for, that's a property manager bread and butter, but it's, it's the making of the sausage in the background that as we talked about on an earlier podcast, 
you know, a property owner really needs to explore those things as they consider a property management company. And an asset manager needs to do the same, right, to make sure that they know that those things are being covered on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, uh, it's funny because the mindset around both are different, right? You know, and it's, it's, it's I always talk about there's the tax person and there's the audit person when it comes to accounting. And I have a tax frame of mind, so it's kind of like there's a lot of gray area. That's the reason why there's a, a lot of court cases that you can fly off and say, what do they really mean by that number? You know, whereas audits a lot more two plus two is four. And so asset management and property management is kind of very similar because the asset manager has to be forward thinking, but has to have, also have the ability to kind of look at what is needed on the analytical side of things with the numbers and what's going on and what's, what's you know, what could potentially happen um, versus just what's right in front of me. I'm just going to take care of what's right in front of me and make sure everything's being taken care of. And then, then I'll look up and see what's in the future. Uh, and that's why it's, um, the meetings are fun. I enjoy these, you know, I enjoy quiet meetings when you have, you have uh, a leasing uh, professional in there. You have a, uh, you know, the account, you have the property manager um, in there. You have the accounting in there and you and I've been on these calls together with some clients. And, and so it's, you know, the meeting of the minds, it's, it's pretty impressive. I, I just, I just like, like to listen in and see what they're thinking, but um, it, there's power in numbers when it comes to uh, building the team for sure. You'd be amazed that we, you know, when we have new clients that come and they, they might be utilizing our full suite of services or part, but um, in their past experience, they never had the kind of conversation you just described when you've got all those people at the table having a conversation and you earlier referred to that kind of annual meeting, which is exactly what we do too. It's every client comes in at least once a year, talk about that budget, have the asset management responsibility represented if at all possible, have the leasing broker at the table, have the property manager. And we have a whole bunch of other people that we bring to the conversation. Sometimes the property accountant who can speak at a level of detail that's even better. Yeah. And just really, you know, think these things through, bring construction management in, like, let's really talk about where things are going in the trades or, you know, amongst the different contractors that we utilize, because that's been so dynamic recently, you know, from the pandemic era supply chain issues that having that table all full of all those people at least once a year, invaluable. Yeah. Well, I know we've uh, pressed up on our time. I want to uh, kind of recap, if I will. I mean, sometimes I feel like I know we talk about our real life situations that we're dealing with and the, the goal here on this podcast is to help people kind of think about things, but also give them some takeaways. And I, I would think the takeaway here between the difference between an asset manager and property manager is kind of looking at it is who's taking care of the properties on a day-to-day basis to make sure everything's going smoothly. And then who's looking out and protecting the asset in the next two or three years on the vision of where the asset should be going in order to make sure it's meeting the objectives of the ownership and, and and so they definitely are are different roles uh, to be had. Um, and the questions to ask if you're out interviewing or you're talking to your current property manager as well is just just really understand what goes on behind the scenes. And and I think it, you you got to get comfort with that and understand that your money's being taken care of because you and your family work too hard to get the assets you have, and you just got to fight like hell to keep them. I mean it's that that's the nature of what we do. I uh, totally agree. Great summary. I'm going to go off script, Derek, uh, since, since you've elevated me to co-host status and because we so carefully follow our script that we've set up, <laughs> you know, meticulously leading up to every one of these. And, podcasts. And, we're both, and we're both paid the same. 
by the way. <laughs> you, got, you got the same comp for being uh, for our talents here. I have a question for the audience out there, which is, you know, we I think we've done a lot of really, I think, valuable thinking at kind of high level framing of the way that, you know, commercial real estate owner or professional advisor can approach many of the things that we see day to day and longer term. I'm wondering if it might be useful for us to do some case studies or some real specific things and like maybe we pick a situation each and, and we really like dissect it. And it could be through the lens of where the asset manager had a role, where the property manager had a role, where a leasing broker had a role, where we sent something to the CPAs or where we need the legal counsel or whatever it is, you know, we can approach it anyway. But I'm just wondering if we maybe a case study or a particular, you know, situation might be interesting for the audience, for the two of us to dissect. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I mean, maybe we're at the right hover height for everybody who's listening. Maybe they'd appreciate a little bit of detail. Um, so I'll, I'll throw that out there and see if anybody has anything to say. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great request um, is anybody who has situations that they've come across, they feel would be uh, valuable for us to dissect and give our two cents on and kind of, I mean, you know, we're old guys, you know, we're older, we've been around a while. So we've got a lot of stories and seen a lot of things. So I think there is the ability that we've seen a lot that we could um, share and we'd be happy to uh, if it helps. Uh, property owners and the, their advisors for sure. So if anybody has anything like that, again, reach out to me at Derek at dopemail.com and uh, Jordan and I will, will put it on there. Maybe we can get mugs. Maybe we should get like mugs. So when someone puts in, someone sends us something and we put it on the air, we'll send them a mug, right? We'll, That's awesome. We'll, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and so uh, we'll figure out some way to kind of throw it out there that says, you know, I've been showcased on Real Talk or something yeah something silly but yeah uh, i love it now i know i'm just talking too long because now i'm just talking silliness uh <laughs> all right jordan well as always appreciate having you on here as a co-host um and uh, everybody out there again have a great day if there's anything that we can do to help you have any questions um and like jordan put out there if there's a case study or something that people would like to hear about we'd love to put it put it out on one of the podcasts and uh and talk through it and, and showcase it so with that, I wish everybody a good day. Jordan, thank you. Thanks, everyone. See you soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you should have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to me directly at Derek at dokemail.com. Again, thanks for listening. And I hope you have a great day.